OMG, it's HTAP. That's Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, say stuff out loud about a chosen episode while trying to guess what my special guest's favourite things about it might be. Hello, I'm Stephen Chapansky from the Doctor Who podcast, Radio Free Scarl, The Memory Cheats, and Lazy Doctor Who. And my selection for a commentary for Happy Times and Places is The Haunting of Villa Diodati from Series 12. Well, welcome to Happy Times and Places. I've bitten the bullet. I'm doing my first Jodie Whittaker slash Chris Chibnall Happy Times and Places. Um, And I'm not going to say too much before I start, partially because I've got the episode on pause and I don't want to have to all start all over again when because normally I'll I'll do a bit of talking and then I'll just about start and it'll go back to the menu and I'll have to start all over again um, but also because you know this is not a, an episode with a lot of history behind it nor a lot of experience for me because you know I don't have stories about you know when I first encountered it and later encountered it and all of that uh, and also uh, frankly don't know as much about new Doctor especially very new Doctor as as I might do about old Doctor Who simply because I've had more time to look um, and and I, I'll be honest that my my journey through the most recent iteration of Doctor Who has has not been one without uh, fr- frustrated hopes on occasion so I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to accentuate the positive because that is what this podcast is all about. And actually the timing of me doing this, taking the leap. um, Well, it's partially because Stephen Schapansky, who you heard there, who's done a brilliant video at Lego Men and Stills and everything. Uh, So, you know, maybe one day this will end up on YouTube. But for now, uh, it's an audio podcast. Thanks to Stephen, who's been a great supporter of this podcast uh, because his podcast is, you know, the ace uh, Doctor Who podcast, Radio Free Scaro, uh, that, uh, you know, paved the way when po- I think podcasts didn't even exist. I think they might have invented po- podcasts. Um, I th- you know, I think they did the initial one. I think they etched it into bark and hoped people would walk past the tree that they'd said things on. But now they are a record holding and brilliant and very well informed, well intentioned, interesting to listen to. And Stephen is uh, the sweetest of men. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and has been very sort of quietly supportive, um, you know, but behind the scenes as well, as well as publicly so by saying nice things. So thanks so much to uh, Stephen and I'm honoured that he has taken part and that he has been bestowed the honour of doing the first Jodie Whittaker Chris Chibnall entry into the Happy Times and Places canon the episode The Haunting of Via Diodati, which I am going to press play or unpause on. Uh, it's all right, Bernard. You can stay. Bernard is sitting next to me, but he's shifting. I don't think he likes me talking to you. I think he likes me talking to him. It's okay, Bernard. We're going to watch Doctor Who. Yeah, we're going to watch some Doctor Who. Um, in three, two, one. Uh, so, I mean, this is n- not a bad one for me to choose f- for my first um, Jodie Whittaker. It is the first one that has been nominated by contributors to Happy Times and Places, although we now do have a few more. Um, someone has bagged uh, Demons of the Punjab but hasn't actually sent me their contribution yet. But I have... Uh, Tom Gurriers sent me a, a, a file for The Woman Who Fell to Earth and Joe Ford from the lovely hamster with a blunt penknife 
uh, podcast has sent me a couple uh, of entries for both episodes of Spyfall. So they will happen over the next oh God, two, two or three years. You know, that's that's not a plug. That's not a plug for anything imminent. Um, but I, I very much enjoyed this one on broadcast. I was actually at my mum's house in Shropshire, which is out in the countryside where it is slightly mistier and darker and colder. So it was a good place to be to be watching it. I, I think, uh, and, and I rem- I, as I say, I remember thinking, feeling that this was one of the strongest ones of the season. It has the perfect mix for me. Uh, oh, she's good. Um, I, and I, of course, I can't tell you really exciting things. But I can't go, and I remember when I met this actor at the, uh, uh, the Club for Acts and Actors, and they told me about their episode of Secret Army, because these are all young people who would probably run a mile if, if I even vaguely approach them. Now, I can tell you without that we, we cut there to Stefan Bernardzik's, uh I hope that's the correct pronunciation, um, valet uh, d- looking sort of slightly peeved. And I can tell you for starters that he is going to be one of my favourite things about the episode because I was actually uh, uh, prompted to tweet and include him in the tweet after the episode aired and going, you know, Doctor Who's history is littered with actors doing above and beyond the Call of Duty and Stefan Bernardzik uh, did exactly that as the valet tonight. I think he's absolutely terrific. Uh, it's, you know... <laughs> he's got a wonderfully disdainful air about him. He he brings so much... It's it's what I love seeing good actors do um, is, is to bring just a little bit extra that drops it from being you know, a dry expositional sort of characterization. But it's nice watching actors have fun so long as they don't have too much fun and distract from what the script and what the director and what the other actors are trying to do. You can get actors ruin it by doing too much. It's it's a fine art. Uh, And I would say that Stefan Bernardzik is absolutely pitch perfect as the as the valet. Um, and I don't know these young actors so well, as I say. Uh, that's a that's a great uh, that's a great opening actually, because you have the the fabulous setup of the famous you know Mary Shelley uh, a knight of coming up with Frankenstein, uh, and it seems so obvious now, doesn't it, that you would have a Doctor Who story set at the birth of one of the great icons of horror and when i say obvious i'm not don't mean that in a pejorative uh, sense i'm not going oh it's such an obvious idea i mean it in the sense that you know one one talks of as a, as a, as a comic i mean I'll, I'll give an example there's a comic i adore called robin Ince, and and robin comes up with stuff that is so obvious to me but it's so obvious i didn't think of it until he says it out loud and you go that's so obvious so that so the genius is to and what i mean is it's sort of recognize it's such a good idea that it's such a good idea that chimes with me that i could have come up with it had i had the wit and invention intelligence to have come up with it but now that somebody else has it just it just all slots together and it's the same with you know the night that frankenstein is conceived doctor who turns up and i i do like like the sort of cheat opening that, that you know our guest characters are setting up the scary night and we go into the opening titles um, because they're shocked at our motley crew who actually look rather fun here that's the and and i do enjoy this element of modern doctor who particularly i think because a lot of you know because old doctor who is now a, a period piece this is very modern 
Uh, this is this is contemporary. And so seeing Bradley Walsh and these two young companions uh, and, the you know, the newest doctor. Um, but particularly, I think, Yaz and Graham, because they are they are younger than me. I suppose when I was watching, the companions were older than me. But because these sort of youthful figures there uh, to me as an older viewer are there to represent what is young and hip and modern and 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 perhaps a, a touchstone with what the kids are up to kind of thing so they they serve a slightly different purpose for me as an older viewer but it's still a, a you know a, a, a good one and a useful one but a different purpose from the sort of older companion figures there he is ice skyward <laughs> um and that's that's all a lovely joke uh of you know setting up these these great intellectuals and uh, they're of course uh, it's sort of relevant to what i was saying about the companions because i you know yeah i think of shelley and polidori and all of these people who who when i was introduced to them as a youngster were these older figures long dead who were you know great minds and imaginative people and all of that sort of thing but you know you learn that they were you know f flawed humans with all sorts of problems and in terms of mary shelley terrible tragedies but also as you get older you go oh god they were kids and probably quite annoying and that's that i love the way that that you know all of that all of those sort of expectations are, are kind of played with now he is a piano player stefan bernardzik which i didn't realize so i presume he got the part or was seen for the part largely because he could play the piano so i think it's even more wonderful that well, that's irrelevant because you don't look at that performance and go, well, yeah, it's a it's a guy who plays the piano who has a few lines as the valet. He's brilliant as the valet and he can play the piano. So good for him. Uh, and uh, yeah, I said something nice about him on Twitter and I think he followed me now. So I'm followed by the valet. So uh, uh, he's obviously not only good at, uh, you know, his, his, his fingers may be good on the piano keyboard, but they obviously take him to the right place on the old Twitter keyboard as well. And this is, be this is beautiful. This is beautiful Doctor Who. We're in a haunted house with Mary Shelley uh, on the night of the um, genesis of the Frankenstein, you know, myths. Well, not myths, but, you know, the, the, the horror story that is now the basis, the, 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 the touchstone of a lot of modern horror. Um, and also, in terms of it being Doctor Who... It's in an old building with candlesticks. Uh, it, it's dark outside and we've got a mystery. Where is Shelley? Um, they had terrible lives, didn't they? I think she lost, she lost children, didn't she, Mary Shelley? So all of, you know, Frankenstein stops then being a, a horror story. It's all, you know, it's a bit about, you know, the, the, the continuation of life. And it's, 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 and it's about, you know, it's metaphysical, isn't it? It's about going against nature uh, which is you know a huge driver in a lot of great literature which and uh, but also gives us things like a falling picture with a heartbeat <laughs> which is great and a, and a spider i love that you see that's all great i've only seen this a couple of times i mean uh, you know i haven't oh look at that maid in the background there this is brilliantly done emma sullivan is the director and i think she has a real feel for how to do this kind of Doctor Who. And this kind of Doctor Who, as I say, really floats my boat because it's, ah, oh, and that is cracking. That's very sort of house that Jack built, isn't it? That's very, um, 
you know, it's one of those really unsettling things of going, I'm, I'm staying this there, which starts off as unsettling. But presumably, if you keep doing that, it, it becomes, you know, it's like you find yourself sort of trapped in a small space and you go, OK, well, I just have to find the door. And then if you realise there is no door, you know, it suddenly becomes panic. And, and then and if it starts sort of closing in on you, I, you know, I, I, and, oh, and that little kid there and the and the and the, uh, the the flashes of lightning. So this is very I think this has a lot of really strong ingredients to it and all of these are very as we know from history all of these are very interesting characters so there's enough that you can sort of build on to give them something to hide uh, to give them you know relationship stuff as well um uh, but but then you know and and doctor i know modern doctor i think finds this very important to to have the you know the younger modern character display to viewers that that you know just because somebody's from uh, over a hundred years ago and and uh you know is 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 wearing old clothes and speaks in a slightly different and more formal way that you know love is still love and young people are still young people and all of that and 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 i think sometimes older viewers can scoff at that kind of thing but i think it 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 serves a purpose in a in a program that is you know that, that 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 has younger people watching it um you know it serves as a useful gateway into the past and and exploring the past whether through history or through character or whatever is 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 extremely useful and broadening our horizons and uh and and you know it, it people do do things differently there so sometimes we need a translator and if doctor who serves as that i think that's a, a great thing and if doctor who becomes a gateway you know if some of the kids oh that hand i Emma Sullivan is doing brilliantly uh, here. I think there's little snatches of, of, of horror, and there's not, you know, Doctor Who doesn't do horror an awful lot, but I find I find gothicy, scary, spooky Who to be at, at the most effective. And also, I think when I started on my long tract about the companions, seeing them in the old clothes in the old getup is 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 rather fun. You know, that's it. it, it again, it, and, and Doctor Who thrives on incongruity. So seeing, you know, Ryan, the, the young lad, and Yaz, the, you know, the, the, the policewoman, um, j- j- you know, dressed up in, in period costume uh, when we see them as being the sort of the younger, hipper end of, of, of what Doctor Who has to offer is uh, it, it, it has a lovely incongruity about it. Now, I do know this actor, Maxim Baldry, as uh, Dr. Polidori. I love the name Polidori as well. I remember reading about Frankenstein and, and the night that it was uh, conceived and the fact that they had this mate, Dr. Polidori. Uh, and I also always thought that that was a very evocative uh, name for somebody. And it was almost like he was a character in it himself, you know. Um, and I think maybe when I was much younger, I thought that maybe Dr. Polidori was a character is there in frankenstein the true story the one that tom baker's in does david mccallum play dr polidori or have i imagined that but anyway it's a you know they've given a character within it the name you know to to reference as a sort of in joke about uh the 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 conception of the story he's a very beautiful man isn't he this this fellow maxim baldry who was in years and years not the band uh the uh, the russell t davis series and was lovely in that as uh as as the as, as Russell Tovey's boyfriend uh, who was deported and led to a ultimately forlorn chase uh, in a, in an episode. Oh, anyway, let's not get into that. Um, but 
he's very beautiful and uh, I was quite pleased to see him turn up because he's a, a modern actor who I knew doing a Doctor Who and that always makes me feel good because I hadn't got a clue who anybody else was. Whereas I can watch an episode of Bergerac and tell you everything about everybody and that makes me feel secure. So so that's why I, I've really, honestly, this, this was scheduled to be done. Oh, she did that very well. Uh, unrelentingly evil. Uh a few years shut of the toilet that's quite nice <laughs> oh oh yes and that is a weird idea isn't it because people were dressed so smartly you know and and wore a lot of white which is quite hard to get i mean i've got lots of white shirts and they're all absolutely mucky but i suppose they had people to do it but nonetheless the point is they all you know look pretty well and and on and, and all had certain you know manners and standards and way of doing conduct and yet they did their business in a pot that then lay under the bed the past really is another country probably a slightly malodorous one um but i'm i'm slightly fascinated with all of that kind of thing i i, I fear i'm slightly swiftian in my uh in my concerns and worries about um uh you, you know sort of the the, the physical nitty-gritty of 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 a, of a life that we cherish because of its, you know, its poetry and uh, its enjoyment of finer things and, you know, and and, 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 and and physical experiences and poetic thought. But, but you know, when we all get down to it, we're all, you know, we, we do get up to certain things that we don't really... And I don't like, you know, I don't like scatological humour at all. And yet we are, we are based... What are, we are, why, am I, why am I concentrating on our, our baser functions when the Doctor Who's companion is being throttled by a very nicely realised hand? And yes, the valet! <laughs> I love the fact that the valet gets to, to, to twat the hand. Uh, and I, I, you know, the fact that's nice that the director has let the doctor do the thing, but but actually given the moment to the valet behind. I like to think he earned that. Uh, I do I do rather like this thing we have of the doctor tasting stuff to find out what it is. I would find that in other programmes, kind of, oh, there's no way that, uh, you know, just because they're an alien, they can taste a thing. But I think there's something about the doctor being a bit sort of mucky and, um, you know, not having instruments to do it but just sort of does it because the doctor has lived a very very long time and has got to the point where yeah you can run all the tests you like but i can probably tell you what it is just by sticking it in my gob I, uh, that that has a slightly different timbre and feel to it than if it was you know an alien who is so uh who's so brilliant they can just taste stuff and know what it is i like to think that the doctor's skills have all been sort of acquired rather attritionally and 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 and, and rather through yeah the nitty-gritty of experience and, and the sort of dirty business of you know exploring and finding things out for yourself throwing yourself into it rather than um because they have a magical tongue or they've you know learnt it all from a book or were the best person at their school you know i i, I like the fact that the doctor the doctor is kind of the doctor's been to the universe of life <laughs> now this young man is it Elliot Collins Levy something like that um he's he's in the he's do, I think he's doing the pre the new th uh, the, the prequel to the Witcher which I had an audition for the the actual Witcher just before it was on and I didn't think much of it um and it was only a couple of episodes I think um 
and uh, it's gone on to be absolutely huge. Uh, and I'm sort of thinking, oh, I wish I'd got that. Anyway, um, if if I'd got that, maybe I wouldn't be here now. And there, where would you be, eh? There'd be, there'd be me on the red carpet, whereas instead I'm on the grey sofa um, watching Doctor Who. Uh, I like I like Doctor Who in a funny hat. Um, I I do like incongruity, and I think that's what Doctor Who offers us that a, in a way that a lot of other series simply can't. Of 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 having sort of quite winning mixes of ancient, of modern, of of of, of the grand and of the the earthy, of the of the you know thoughtful and metaphysical and the silly and the daft. Um, don't you love a fireplace? I mean, the lighting here is all superb. And you know what? I couldn't tell you for a minute who's who's done the lighting. That's really spooky. <laughs> um, and Bradley Walsh, Bradley Walsh, I think was a lovely piece of casting. I was really pleased to see that he was cast because I'd loved him in the Sarah Jane Adventures where he was that villain. And I think, you know, did a real turn. Uh, and I think you know he's well known for being a, a a quiz show host, and I and I like it when people who we sort of have one idea of, although he's always been an actor. He was in Corrie for a bit, and of course Chibnall knows him through doing Law and Order. Um, but but when somebody is no, and I think again Doctor Who gives people the opportunity to 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 do that in the way that it you know in 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 the way that it's often cast actors that we know well for one thing you know totally against type and it's kind of worked because it's you know it's it's doctor who and it's a bit overblown and it's a bit larger than life but that doesn't mean that the performances aren't real and you can have performances that are larger than life and still real it's complicated uh, so long as it's truthful it doesn't matter if it's slightly big um that's why i love you know, Shakespearean acting, you don't mumble that, do you know what I mean? It is It is larger and bigger, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not real, that the emotion and the essence of it isn't true. And that's the sort of acting I, I really like. I, admi I admire, um, you know, actors that, 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 do, that, that do very little as well, but say so much whilst doing nothing with their faces. Um, but, uh, but, a, but, but, but some modern television acting is, is so whispered. Um, that I think it might date. Do you know? I think people might watch stuff in twenty years' time and go, "Oh, they, were, they thought whispering was acting in those days, didn't they?" In the same way that you look at stuff that looked very modern twenty, twenty-five years ago, and you go, "Oh, okay. Well, that 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 hasn't aged so well." And I'm not talking about Doctor Who with that, because I think Doctor Who, as I say, lends itself to to, to performances of of slightly bigger bigger heft. I love all of this: the going down the stairs and that mysterious figure in the door. This is this is truly proper proper Doctor Who. Um, uh, and it's a, it's a sort of a bit, I don't know why, it sort of reminds me slightly of a Doctor Who annual. I can sort of imagine a, a picture of this in the, in the middle pages, you know, with the text around it, and perhaps a sort of black and white sort of sketch of them going, you know, we're at the top of the stairs again or whatever. Um, I'm not sure the Mary Shelley actress has done anything since this, which seems unusual because we're so used to... Um, uh, uh, you know, Felicity Jones, Kerry Mulligan, Andrew Garfield are are, are younger actors from Doctor Who because uh, Andy Pryor, the casting director, has a very honourable tradition of uh, finding t talent early um, and, and you know, g giving Doctor Who retrospective kudos by us being able to go, well, you know, they did a very early start in Doctor Who, you know. Um 
but but this I don't think it's happened particularly with it, with this cast, which is something of, a, of an anomaly. Although I'm sure for every Andrew Garfield and Kerry Mulligan etc., we we can look at some some Doctor Who's from ten years ago where. Uh, the, the younger cast haven't gone on to massive amounts either so uh, it's just that we remember the big ones isn't it um, but yes uh, oh, this is yes yeah, beautifully shot that lovely swooping camera uh, oh and of course yes the whole thing about the child really gives I think gives it, it informs our our understanding of Frankenstein the book much more because it is about loss and about you know you know creating life which as a mother if you've created life you know within you um and and then that life has been extinguished by the cruelty of fate and illness and all of that sort of thing that idea of you know cheating god is i mean it's interesting isn't it that i said going against nature but when i think of I think something like Macbeth, where there are so many references to his his murder of Duncan the king, is going against nature, which gives you know an act like murder, which is bad to, to, to put it mildly, murder of a king even worse. But then when it becomes murder of a king and so forth, the sort of ordained way of doing things, so it's not just the, the act of the death of a person, but the act of your you're destroying the natural order of things now of course we're a bit more cynical about kings and queens now so we don't think of you know that in perhaps the same way of going well we're, we're messing with the natural order if we if we off the royal family um but but what that but what we what what our cynicism loses us then is our is is a drama that that takes the person who you know perpetuates the act to something beyond just feeling guilty for killing a man but to have to have wronged nature itself and that is a bigger fight and that puts you through more of an emotional ringer that makes you consider more about life and death and beyond and makes the drama bigger and the consequences greater than than just those of you know earthly vaulting ambition and i would and i would say the same about you you know science fiction when it takes on a, a, a you, you know when it when it uses the stories of human beings to try and tell tell stories on a broader canvas and to and to resonate more than just with what happens to a group of people um and and i think and, and that's why i you know i think i think what doctor who and what sci-fi does is you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying I'm not comparing it to Shakespeare in terms of, you know, the, the quality of the insight into the human condition and the, the you know, the, his, his 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 amazing way with language and all those sorts of things and and and, you know, the the the, the huge influence of of the drama. But I'm talking about about what the appeal of both might be and what what, what why they resonate with us so much is. I don't think it's a a, a cheap um, connection to say that that st stories of a science fiction or fantastical bent are aiming to try and do more yes they're brilliant if if they enable us to identify with these characters and it's working it's working in sort of two directions it's going well these people from the old days are actually no different to you and i so you can identify with them and sympathize with them and so so the resonances go back in time that we can we can you know we can touch those ghosts and feel their flesh but also that the stories that they tell tell us more about then and indeed more about us and the 20th century and kind of try and resonate and, and tell us more about you know larger philosophical battles 
did I sound very pretentious then? I hope not. I hope not, because I enjoy Doctor Who mainly because it spooks and, and scares, but I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong. Oh, that's a great image, and that's terrifying. A baby's cot with a skeleton in it. That's the sort of thing that if it was in 70s Doctor Who, we'd be going, that was like the scariest thing that ever anybody ever put on television. And partially, and, and if you've had kids, you'll understand this, the fragility of a baby and the way that you feel as an adult responsible for a vulnerable child and you know that's that's when you read those terrible stories of you know bombings of children's hospitals and babies being killed and you just think god that that, that is that is about as low as mankind can get to extinguish a life you know unsullied by the human condition that seems to make us worse the more of you know life and people and other things that we're we're exposed to um you know i th I, I think there's something about the use of a baby in a drama and the threat to a baby and the fragility of a baby is is really quite affecting and dramatic and you know un unpleasant uh, and this stuff is great that the, the, the skull is moving and uh and, and the place folding in on itself feels a bit to a bit doctor who annually but also a bit christopher bidbeady isn't it a bit kind of but and and Again, I refer again, isn't it? Isn't there's an Avengers episode, isn't there, called The House That Jack Built, where they're st stuck in a building, I think, that goes round and round. I remember, I think Don Lever directed it. Um, I remember watching it in a in a terrible hotel room just before Christmas uh, when I was doing Jonglers, the, my last Jonglers Birmingham, my last gigs before Christmas, and I had to do Don Lever's obituary from a hotel room. Um, uh, unfortunately, it was on YouTube. Um, this. There, that's a wonderful image that and of course again anybody that knows their frankenstein myth uh is is going well this kind of thing is possibly in you know influencing what we know of this night and it's always fun isn't it as well when when uh when doctor who uh, um comes up with an explanation for something that we know whether it's the burning pudding lane or the people jumping off the Mary Celeste and now we know that we've got something that's some kind of influence on the Frankenstein myth and of course it's a Cyberman <laughs> and we've had that we've had that uh, uh, you know uh, we've had that anticipated by Captain Jack um, but I think I'd kind of half forgotten it. it didn't occur to me that a Cyberman might turn up whereas of course it's hugely obvious that the, you know, that the, 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 the created man or the, the, the resurrected person, the person whose life is, is made longer and yet loses its humanity because of augmentation, Cyberman thing, living dead if you want it to be, would be an influence on uh, Frankenstein within the context of Doctor Who. And I know that Big Finish... Uh, had, had had Mary Shelley and uh, the, the, they they do have an adventure where the Cyberman is uh, uh, suggested as a as as an influence on Frankenstein. But I didn't really sort of think about that watching this. I kind of I I because I because I, I, I know that any new Doctor Who is is divorced from Big Finish in that way. So I'm able to sort of do the cognitive dissonance thing uh, because um, I just am um, and. Um, 
Yeah, so, oh, and so we're going to, oh, and this is where we lose the valet, which is a shame. I, I do think the episode loses something when he gets killed. But I, but I suppose, uh, I suppose it was going to have to happen. Uh, but I, 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 I now Patrick O'Kane, who plays uh, the valet. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Um, Patrick O'Kane, uh, and that, but that, that just that crying baby, um, you know, juxtaposed with the image, image of that sort of cold steel, and 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 it very cleverly misdirects us, doesn't it? Because he's a half human, half Cyberman. We might. You know, we might think, oh, is this going to be a sort of Borg, you know, Hugh Borg kind of thing where the Doctor appeals to the human inside. And actually, they, it's it's a bit grimmer than that. And that is to its credit. Um, I think, you know, I, I would be interested to talk to, you know, people in 10, 15 years time who were sort of 8, 9, 10 when they watch this. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of this is the most horrifying uh, imagery of their... In, entire life and that's and that's somebody being killed whilst holding a baby i find that really gruesome um again i think it's the proximity of a young unsullied defenseless child with the worst thing possible which is murder death the taking of a of a human life um and 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 of course it is so such a stark juxtaposition you know the, the 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 joy and purity of birth and our, our instinct to protect because the reason babies look cute is because that they need us to want to protect them especially when they're screaming the blooming heads off and shitting all over the place <laughs> then they go look i've got a cute face and you go all right i won't i won't drop kick you across the room for <laughs> chewing my whatever uh smashing my things keeping me awake all night um Um, this is a nice, you know, the nice doctor's trick of being a bit, bit sort of sarky and lackadaisical, and uh, but 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 you know, underneath it's the sort of whirring sense of danger. But Patrick O'Kane, Paddy O'Kane, he's a friend of a friend, so I've heard him referred to as Paddy O'Kane. He was doing a lot of acting at the Royal Exchange Theatre when I first uh, came to Manchester as a student. So he was. Um, uh, was he Brutus in Julius Caesar? I saw him in Absurd Person Singular. Uh, he was, yeah, he was doing a lot of theatre. I saw both of those. He was in Absurd Person Singular with uh, Mr. Rudge from Trial of a Time Lord and uh, Tarkis from Revelation of the Daleks, lovely Trevor Cooper. Um, uh, and, yeah, in Julius Julius Caesar, the, both of those actors were in that as well, as was Danny Sapani from, uh, went on to be in... Um, good man goes to war uh so um and 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 patrick O'Kane is a really interesting actor i was astonished to see him turn up in game of thrones with no lines and and about two you know two close-ups and that was it because i think he's he's irish so maybe that you know and i know they used a lot of local irish actors but there's a finbar lynch as well also known as barry lynch was uh also turned up in Game of Thrones in a rubbish part. And you're thinking that's I'm all for using local talent in these productions, but I I think I think when you're using local talent but using really accomplished actors to play tiny parts, I think that's that's a the wrong use of resources. I think you you use the local talent and you go and we'll use the fact that they're based here to get 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 them 
decent parts, not to just use their proximity to, to swell out our smaller ranks, if you like. That's a great image. Um, and, 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 and Patrick O'Kay and I also saw in The Crucible um, playing John Proctor at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. What a cast that had. Susan Engel, Vivian Fay was in it. Uh, Malcolm Rogers, Dracula from The Chase. Uh, but also Christopher Fulford. Uh, who's not been in Doctor Who, but should have been, and he's Camille Kajuri's husband, and uh, Emma Cuniff, who is an old, is, I, I know, I've known, well, I, I sort of, you know, I got to know a bit years ago. Um, uh, haven't seen her for a while, but we're Facebook friends. Um, but uh, she's lovely, lovely actress. She's in um, Night Terrors. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, that, that production of The Crucible, I, I mention it not just to say who was in it, but, but it's relevant to Patrick O'Kane because his physical acting after John Proctor had been uh, tortured, as he is at the end of The Crucible, was the most harrowing, brilliant piece of physical acting I've seen on the stage. It, was, it, was, it, it wasn't overdone. It was just real. It was, it was an actor who's... He's actually in a play with a friend of mine at the moment, and my friend just put a picture of them on, on, on Facebook, and he's got calves to die for Patrick O'Kane so I'm assuming he's very fit but he obviously understands how to use his 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 body because his physical acting of 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 Proctor on the back end of his terrible torture that leads to the end of that play was was absolutely phenomenal and breathtaking and so I wonder if that was if that was perhaps one of the reasons he was considered for this role because he's a very powerful physical actor who really knows how to use his body and I, and I think this this image of the half man half cyberman uh is is an extraordinary thing uh and and i like the way it uses the 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 works of 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 the authors um to, to punctuate and inform the drama as well you know if you've got these characters you may as well use them and here is shelley not <laughs> so when i said here is shelley the first thing that came into my head was Hewell bennett <laughs> which shows really how my mind works. Shelley was a sitcom starring Hugh Bennett from episode two of The Chase, uh, but uh, it was a, was a wonderful sitcom about a perpetual sort of loser. But he was a very different sort of character to Percy Bysshe Shelley, uh, who, was, uh, who we were about to meet here. Um, and, you know, create one of those 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 dilemmas that you can only really have in Doctor Who is we all know how Shelley died so um, you know that, that dilemma that the Doctor has of this of you know changing history or whatever oh it's a baby um, and at the expense of a man I think that's a really good dilemma that we that we get later on um, beautiful orange lighting um, oh but the maid's dead isn't she that's horrible and the valet's dead oh dear the, oh yeah I'm afraid so uh, it's it's very classist. This uh, the uh, the the serving characters die and the toffs all survive. So I'm I'm sure some <laughs> university students in fifteen years' time will look back and uh, criticise uh, the twenty first century for its uh, you know its awful snobbish agenda <laughs> if they so desire. And I'm sure some of them will. Um, I sound. I felt. I sounded a bit like John Levine then. I'm sure some of them will. John gets very wistful like that sometimes. Um, you're left holding the baby. Um, I. Do you know? I totally forgotten how dominant the 
Percy is, I think Percy is also a character played by Hewell Bennett in a film about a man who has a todger transplant and gets into all sorts of scrapes. <laughs> so maybe Hewell Bennett had, uh, did he ever play anyone called Bish? Maybe it was his life's ambition to, to, to play as many permutations of Shelley's name as possible. This is, this is really well done, I think. Uh, you know, having this, this in the cellar, that, that image of that Cyberman is great. It's a really good, I think, addition to the cyber myth, if you like. Uh, you can only do so much with the Cybermen, I think. And when, when the series thinks of a, a sort of logical continuation or, 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 or slightly different approach, but that is in keeping with what we know of how to deal with the creatures, I think that is, is excellent. Um, poor old Shelley. Uh, he's, he's ill, isn't he? Um, Uh, yes, yes, that's right. He's uh... so. Is are we are we to think that the yes, the doctor's sort of done that sort of mind meldy thing, which I don't mind because we know that the doctor can do sort of psychic bits when it just helps us to tell the story or envisage the story, but not not you know anything beyond that. I think would be you know would would be a bit tedious. Um, and sort of unscientific but I, I don't mind it if it's just a sort of time lord empath thing that occasionally helps with the exposition I've got terrible double standards ah and that's a brilliant explanation of course for the ghostliness uh, so you've had all of those things well not quite all as we will discover right at the end and I like that note as well I, I think it's quite fun to go as, as, as you know g g what Graham saw might, might just you know, there are more things in heaven and earth. I, I, I like, I like leaving the odd thing unexplained. Uh, you know, because Doctor Who has to sort of explain mysteries in order that it can't just get away with magic to, you know, either set up tension or provide frights that, that then just turn out to be, you know, well, because we live in a world where anything can happen. Part of Doctor Who's you know, part of what you have to do when you're writing a Doctor Who plot is you have to give a rational explanation to the to the irrational. Otherwise, it's sort of cheating. And because it's partially what Doctor Who's kind of about is going, you know, the mysterious and the unexplained uh, is is explainable by science. Uh, the dangerous is conquerable by, by science and by the application of it and by intelligence and wits and and, and, and there's nothing we should be superstitious of. And uh, and and at the end of the day you know yeah application intelligence and science can overcome you know the, the fears of the dark if you like and it's uh uh because the things we we fear are often the things that are unexplained uh and and dark forces often operate by 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 kidding us that they're that they're in, intangible and if you actually break them down and expose them for what they are you can you can defeat them and you know that's the same as that's the same as you know, ideas that 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 uh, you know, bad ideas, you know, malefactors um, of darkness, you know, who 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 operate on on dishonesty. You know, um, uh, that you know, the bad guys are, are, are often persuade people to, to 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 do their bidding because they they lie to them. And then again, Doctor uh, Doc, Doctor Who, you know, shows us that the ideas of of, of bad people are are not all that they seem by confronting them with intelligence and knowledge and application so you know doctor who deals with bad people in the same way that doctor who deals with you know the monstrous the alien the unexplained it's all about it's all about putting them under a rational 
microscope and also sometimes a humorous one because uh, also things that uh, things that scare us or things that wish us harm um are are deflated by having a sense of humor about them which is why i like doctor who it's that it's that you know it's that it's that it's that mixture of 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 you know defeating the darkness with in intelligence and with with humor if you boil it down to its essentials this is a lovely dilemma yeah and this and 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 and, and i i do like this idea of the poor doctor kind of going yeah yeah it's all it's all well and good we have these lovely adventures but actually you know when the when the doodah hits the fan i you know I'm the one that has to explain to the, you know, we we might all be on holiday, but when things go wrong, I'm the one that has to talk to the local police uh, in the language that only I can speak or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm the one that has to do the heavy lifting uh, because I'm the only one that I can. And I like that take of the doctor. Uh, I like that understanding of the doctor and that that, that un uncompromising image of why the doctor is essentially really at the end rather lonely and rather burdened for all the fun and that often the glibness and the humor is 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 a front to hide that that huge burden um and i think this is a i think this is a great uh this is a great confrontation and it's and it's and again it's nice that 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 mary gets her moments i i think it's tricky isn't it because part of you wants to go don't take mary shelley's agency away from her and go the reason she got uh, her brilliant idea was because of us because of doctor who but it's not really doing that it's it's but it kind of is <laughs> but <laughs> but um but you have to do it you can't have mary shelley in uh in a doctor who uh, he's brilliant, Paddy O'Kane, isn't he? Uh, the Modern Prometheus, which is, of course, the subtitle for Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. I, I, I find this. There's a cruelty often in in a lot of Chibnall's work. Actually, um, you know, there's. I remember a friend of mine. We'll talk about it when we did did the woman who fell to earth. But you know, the the breaking of the teeth that Tim Shaw does. Um, uh, you know, he's not afraid to take. I think sometimes the cruelty doesn't work because it 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 exists for a moment, and and then, and then he's gone. But but this this moment of cruelty is excellent because one, it leads us away from what we thought was going to be Hugh Borg, from what we thought was you know Mary Shelley appealing to the human within, and what we'd get is oh yes, he may be half machine, but there's a man inside there. But actually, um, whereas machines can be sort of cold and logical, and that's the danger of the Cybermen, he had a real cruelty to him there. So uh, it's a sort of subversion of expectation of what, what is becoming the cliche of, you know, the, the humanizable monster. Um, uh, and, and for, you know, for quite a horrible moment of, again, talking about the baby being a useless runt that's you know that's really grim um and and you know there's 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 a wonderful dilemma here for the doctor in, in a sense and i think it's a shame for this story in a way actually that it that it continues um into the next two the next the next two episodes because i think it's a good enough story to exist 
in a in a vacuum and and you sort of think oh but it's if it's if it's dependent on its resolution for a couple of other episodes it's a shame that we can't quite view it as an independent piece which i think is a shame for it here am i feeling sorry for a bit of television um uh, um but but yes because it because because it's not totally self-contained because of course ashad goes away uh, uh, this and this but this is you know this is this plays with this idea of you know the doctor can't be glib about uh, uh, about the past i can't win which is which is uh, you know what does the doctor do and the doctor often you know will save a life and think because the doctor finds death of certain people difficult to deal with but at the risk of hundreds of thousands of lives on another occasion but i suppose it's the old while well, there's life there's hope you know there's a fighting chance here which if she hadn't done what she'd done now there might not have been but that's inevitably going to lead to you know a lot of death and destruction because of a choice that the doctor has made which means and, and sometimes the doctor can't win in that and sometimes the doctor has to be really really pragmatic and sometimes the doctor's sentiment of not being able to, to let a couple of people she's got to know die uh to put the future in the gravest danger and 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 this, yes the idea that the doctor's planning step one fixing the mess i created in step two is is actually a really nice you know it's it's like in revenge of the cybermen where it says you know i get good ideas a bit of a time um it it, it is it is you know you can see why the doctor has made that decision but you can also see why the others are not wild about it and i love this beautiful shot here that's such a contrast to the fact that you know the rest of the story has gone on gone on at night and i love that image of the silver figure in the darkness away as well um uh, and and you know and and the fact that it wasn't a ghost it was a visitor from the future and all of that i think was uh, i i yeah oh oh she gets her moment here doesn't she uh yes that so so lord byron is yeah uh, uh, you know the you know the the man of words and dash and uh, all of that is shown to be a you know a bit of an ass uh, and it's nice that she gets she gets that moment and he gets a bit cut cut down a little bit i'm i think shelley is wearing a wig isn't he um i'm sorry to the actor if that's her actual hair um it has a slightly synthetic look but maybe that is that is subtext to say that it is it is reflecting the synthetic nature of cyber people and that perhaps we are all cyber people with our cyber hair um but again i wonder if that's something in 15 years time people look at and go you know so that was a very 20 2010s wig um interesting yes and of course we we have we have the moment for for Graham where he yeah where he has had his own little adventure where he might have seen something that we don't have a rational explanation for and I th I actually think that's all right because because the things that Graham saw didn't affect the plot so they're just a nice little bubbling sense of worry and that's nice because he hasn't had an awful lot to do uh, in this episode except for be sort of slightly sort of comedic stoogy which is interesting seeing as he's such a gifted comic performer um i think i prefer seeing bradley walsh 
you know, do the dramatic stuff, do that 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 wonderful underplaying that he brings t- to proceedings, rather than you know fall, fall back on the stuff that we can kind of know that he does. I I I quite like the 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 juxtaposition between you know, yeah, of seeing seeing a quiz show host, you know, be, be a man who suffered loss and is you know and has had cancer and and is is you know is 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 fighting against the odds bravely. Um, well, I wish all these young actors well, and I'm sure there will be somebody when I'm dead who will be looking back and going, and I found out everything we need to know about the cast of uh, The Haunting of Via Diodati, who all went on to marvellous things. Uh, I mean, they're all very beautiful, aren't they? Um, hopefully one day there'll be a return to, to being able to be an ugly actor in things. Because... <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. Ah, oh, that's a lovely closing shot of uh, of Doctor Lily Miller. Lily Miller. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, so uh, maybe for another time, I, I I can talk about. Well, no, it's fine. I, I you know, as I say, I I, I have had a an up and down relationship with the the modern era of Who, but I I'm I'm totally prepared to admit that that is because I've always had a bit of an up and down relationship with with who as it's on i think i'm a nostalgia freak i i i like things when they've gone <laughs> and I, I think there is an element of that i i i i yearn for the past because i think i was happy then and uh, but actually in the present it was it, it it may not have been as peachy as i thought um there's i i searched for my pot of gold yesterday bizarrely um uh because I think there's also some comfort there because you know you survived it. So I'm, I'm perfectly prepared to admit that um, some, some, you know, some, some of the things that I, I struggle with about the, the new iteration of Who um, is, is simply because I'm in such close proximity to it. Um, I do have issues with some key elements, but that's not actually what this, this podcast is about. And I would have talked about them happily and thought I probably would because I didn't think I'd have enough to say about the episode itself but i did so job done the episode did enough for me to be able to uh, accentuate the positive as as much as i could uh and i did genuinely enjoy that it's quite long those episodes aren't they i did genuinely enjoy that episode 49 minutes something like that um as opposed to the sort of 42 um and i and i did think that was a really good idea and i thought it was beautifully directed uh uh, and I, I, you know, I love the Doctor's dilemma, um, and all the stuff you've heard me talk about. So, um, yeah, I've got to choose my five favorite things. Bernard's been hiding his head under the pillow. I think he was a bit scared. My five favorite things about the haunting of Via Diodati. Well, number one is the valet, uh, uh, Stefan Benadzic, uh doing that great actor's thing of giving a performance above and beyond the call of duty and that wonderful doctor who thing of you know of having you know smaller supporting parts being worth the actor turning up for and 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 you invest in in them as a viewer so then when something nasty happens to them it has more impact um i think and i hadn't i i mean i hadn't really remembered that this next bit particularly from my previous i've only seen this twice this episode i think um is the the baby uh, that that I found really worrying that that vulnerability and that use of the, the 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 juxtaposition of as I say fresh new life and the idea of you know extending extinguished life 
of, of, of something set in the past where we as a modern viewer is of the knowledge that all of these young people are now long dead you know um, you know I, I knew of Mary Shelley as a dead person and so it's really interesting seeing seeing them as, as young people and that's why I think that seeing them playing around and, and, and horsing about like kids was a really it's also a lovely gag because they're talking because the doctor's talking about how you know brilliant they must have been and the valet's going no they're idiots uh that's a that's a lovely joke but it's a joke that that that, that has more layers to it that, that that speaks more so all i think all of that element of sort of life and death and uh you know what life actually means what that spark of life is that the that the baby has has that that ashad sort of only has half of but only having half of that actually opens a way to a cruelty that the you know all of that I, I think is really well wrought and really well thought through and it means that the story isn't just a story of a haunted house and a visiting cyberman it is a story where the storytelling has a subtext that informs the plot and also informs the character and i think that's rich and i think that's rewarding so i say the baby but because of you know it it, it opens us beyond that to, to to you know to what i've just said once i'm not going to try and say it again i stutter and say um enough uh third thing has got to be the obvious wheeze that was so obvious nobody had ever thought of it uh of uh mary shelley's frankenstein being influenced by a cyber thing you know i think that's a great i think that's a that's a great idea um and and one that seems obvious within the context of doctor who um and uh yet so obvious that that nobody had done it before it's a great use of the format of the show it also has that doctor who explaining something from history that is always neat if you're a viewer and i think educational if you're a younger viewer so that that plays to all of that um and i hope this isn't too related but i think it's such a striking image and such a good performance and and because of the subversion of the hugh borg kind of idea that it so easily could have been is i like ashad uh the 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 half cyberman um it's, it's a very good idea um but the execution is also excellent and the performance is excellent and and i think particularly where you th when you think oh she's going to hold its hand and he's going to understand and it actually goes a much crueler and nastier way um i i, I mean i'm shocked at how how wasted literally he 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 is in that in three episodes two two episodes time uh as, as if they sort of come up with such a good idea but then aren't quite sure what to do with him and i, I you know i think uh ashad fans could be could be rightly disconsolate about the 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 rather casual way with which he is dispensed with having been built up as this this great threat uh and as I say, I think Patrick O'Kane's a super actor and it's uh, nice to see him being given more to do by Doctor Who than he was by Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, he's literally, he's the, he's the, you know, he's the funny, the funny man who talks in the third person and changes his face. He's a new faced version of him who just is on a horse and sort of smiles backwards and, and goes off. You think, oh, he could have been somebody with a beard who stabbed someone. Um, anyway, so that's four. So we've got the valet, we've got the baby and, you know, life and that. Uh, the Frankenstein being influenced and, and Shelley being influenced, Mary Shelley being influenced by a Cyberman, uh, tying that in with the Doctor, the Frankenstein myth in with the, in with the Doctor Who canon. 
Ashad the half Cybermen. And I think the last thing has to be the good old fashioned horror. You know, the that image of the skull in the cot is fantastic. But also, you know, the little scuttling hand on the wall, the 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 the, the, the snatched figures, and and I suppose that ties in with. I mean, I think a lot of that is captured by you know judicious use of of, of lighting and thunderclaps and 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 so I'll I'll, g- I'll give the credit to, to to Emma Sullivan, the director, because I think she she judges the whole thing thing perfectly. So can I say the direction from Emma Sullivan? But if we're highlighting a particular area of that, I think her her handling of the spooks and the old fashioned sort of horror story stuff, I think, is done particularly well. And it's it's welcome in Doctor Who because Doctor Who hasn't done it as much as one would think. And yet when Doctor Who does it, it's always really effective and really, really welcome. Um, and that's sad because it, it means I've missed out the th- that very simple, lovely idea of the stairs leading back to the same place and that 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 feeling of entrapment. And, and there's the bit isn't there, where the Doctor tries to go, I can't go. So, uh, and I think all of that is done very well as well. Uh, you know, real sort of base under siege kind of stuff but you you really feel like the walls are sort of closing in uh, and i think that's really effectively done but uh so that's that's my also ran maybe uh but i i, I mention it because so you know I'm, i've got an embarrassment of riches here for i think uh a, a really good strong episode of doctor who let us see what stephen chapansky and i've got it paused here on his video and he's got the caption from the ice warriors with the word one on it so this is his number one. one the performance of Stefan Benderchuk as Fletcher the poor valet who has to yes. suffer the whims of uh of <laughs> Lord Byron and his friends uh I, what I what I liked about most and, and actually um Toby and I shared this moment on Twitter Toby tweeted out uh praise for Stefan's performance um the weekend that it was happening this is happening during Gallifrey One in 2020, and uh, I chimed in by saying that the the entire room full of uh, convention attendees watching the episode uh, on the Sunday afternoon um, really loved his performance as well, and it was it was nice to be able to share uh, audience reaction, immediate audience reaction with a, with a guest actor on Doctor Who, and he, he seemed to appreciate it as well. So it's a great performance, and that is one of my favorite things. Um, what Stephen had in his video there, he's not only did he choose that, he chose it first, like I chose it first. Oh, this is exciting. Am I going to have a rare win for Happy Times and Places? No, I've still got four opportunities to fail. And I, I usually I usually don't waste an opportunity to fail. But Stephen on his video there showed that, and I'd forgotten this, that Stephen had joined in when I tweeted about enjoying his performance. Stephen joined in saying, yeah, he was he was great. We had a bit of a back and forth. And Stephen tweeted saying that when everyone had watched it at Gallifrey One, they'd laughed at all his, you know, brilliant bits of comedy and then sighed when they realized he was going to meet his his end and then stefan uh joined in on twitter and put a little thing saying blushing and then said that that was lovely to know so that's one of the nice uses of twitter where i suspect uh, you know he, he didn't know that two big babies like me and stephen would 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 uh would be saying really lovely things and i love particularly that stephen was able to convey that it had happened on a grander scale and that that, that his performance had beguiled a whole room of aficionados all joined together isn't that lovely and, and he wouldn't have expected that in a million years i shouldn't think uh so that's you know a nice thing of twitter and a nice thing of doctor who twitter both things that can i know from experience be quite mean uh uh making somebody's day better oh that's my i've decided that's my philosophy in life by the way is um is is all i hope to do if anybody encounters me is to make 
their day, if not better, certainly no worse. I'm just uh, so 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 whatever I do in life, that's all I'm trying to do, uh, and I don't think that's a bad maxim. Uh, this story has not a bad maxim in it either. Maxim Baldry, there we are. It all ties in. Um, right, uh, so we're one all, two. The photography, um, most of it appears to be shot using only candlelight. Um, I know it's been done before, like in Hyde, for instance. Um, things have moved on since having to get NASA-type lenses to uh, shoot candlelight in Barry Lyndon by Stanley Kubrick in 1975. Um, but uh, I, I love the look of it. It looks uh, so atmospheric and so spooky and so well shot. So all credits to uh, director Emma Sullivan and the director of photography, Ed Moore for that one ah well and the two by the way he used the uh, the caption for episode two of the war machines uh, on his video uh, and three we've got uh, the number three backwards reflected onto the face of gia kelly we'll find out what three is in a moment yeah uh Steve, Stephen is m- much more clued up on such technical things uh th- than i am um i, I certainly uh think that's a very well chosen and legitimate choice I, I i again in an episode where i'd got less to talk about i think i could have easily just gone yeah the lighting and i did i think i did mention the lighting in the commentary the lighting is fantastic i didn't know that about uh, about barry barry linden uh, and and kubrick but you, you, yeah you can certainly you can certainly see that you can do far more with lighting now than you could in a lot of classic Doctor Who, for example. And you could have, you could, you know, there are scenes there that are lit by the orange of firelight or the, you know, the flickering spookiness of candles. See, candles don't only give you the light, they give you the flicker as well. And I think the lighting throughout that story and then the contrast at the end when, you know, day has broken and there's the beauty of, you know, a, a new day, a rebirth. It all ties in uh, and, and it's told with the lighting as well. This is why I think this is such a layered uh, and clever piece um and and the visuals have done what you know what the script is 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 doing as well uh so yeah good choice the lighting it's it's beautifully lit and uh i'm i'm glad we got a name check for the director of photography there because it is yeah it's a splendid splendid piece of work can't argue with that Stephen. even though i didn't choose it three the gruesome scene where Ashad breaks the nanny's neck. Yeah, I know. Uh, usually in Doctor Who, like when a monster discovers someone hiding in a cupboard or, or something, the, the scene ends before anything happens. But here the action continues in a long shot where you hear the nanny scream and then it's stifled because you could tell what's just happened. It's brutal. And it's it's followed by Ashad raising the baby. You have a genuine fear for that baby's life knowing what just happened to its protector it's 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 very rare for modern who to uh to not turn away when when a gruesome killing happens and uh, i thought it was very brave and very effective when it did it four that's the war machines four i think yeah it is do i get half a point for that because i sort of you know the baby about you know heightening the danger of those scenes that's for you to decide sometimes i'm hard on myself and people go i tell you definitely should have had half a point for that um, I think that's because I was so encouraged by the fact that we got the, the same first one and I would easily have chosen the second and I kind of chosen the third. Yeah. Um, do I get half a point? Go on. Give me hope. I'm still in the running as we get to four. Go on. I, I'm almost hoping now that he chooses something completely different because then there's no doubt because I think it's worse to have nearly won uh, than to have just completely failed. Uh, it's terrible, isn't it? I'd I'd rather be nowhere. This is why I can't diet, you see, because the minute I I have something I shouldn't have, I then go, oh, well, I've 
I mean, I've, I've, I've spoiled my good progress. I may as well eat everything in the world. And that was the same with booze. You know, if I, I, I go, well, I've, I've had a glass of wine now. I may as well drink three bottles. Whereas normal people just go, no, it's, fine, it's fine to just have, you know. So, so yeah, my failure has to be, I can't have just nearly succeeded because that would somehow be more tragic than being nowhere near. You know, if you're nowhere near, you go, well, I never stood a chance. I could kind of live with that. It's the hope. It's the hope that kills. It's being, yeah, I suppose, you know, it's, it's like being, you know, is it worse to have ne- never been seen for a role than being down to the last two? Um, well, I've been in both situations. They both suck. Um, <laughs> which is why I didn't drink three bottles of wine. What is four? Four. The whole subplot of Graham repeatedly seeing two ghosts, which you immediately assume, as the episode intended, that it's going to play a part in the plot somehow. Uh, and then it, you sort of forget it once a shod turns up. Um, but then at the very end, it's real, real that no, Graham, only Graham saw the two ghosts and that ghosts may be real. And they sort of walk off to the TARDIS. I, I thought that was quite genius because it's really set up as an important thing at the beginning of the episode. And you think it's going to pay off, but it never does. And you realize that maybe Graham did actually see ghosts. Um, I thought it was a, a great thing and a great performance by Bradley Walsh yeah, in uh, in that part. Interesting, because I, I see it as a nice little grace note. Um but to give it too much import then makes me question it and go, but, you know, ghosts aren't real. I don't want ghosts to be real in Doctor Who. I want a rational explanation. So I, th- I suppose if it's a cheeky grace note, I'm very happy with it. But for it to be front and centre and one of the best things about the episode, I'm less comfortable with that. And there you are. See, I'm falling on my own sword and going, uh, I've definitely lost. Um, but I'm <laughs> glad that Stephen liked it. And I do like it, but I like it as a, as I say, just as a, as a throwaway little thing that you can go, oh, but the minute... You know, if people now start saying to me, but ghosts are absolutely real in Doctor Who, I go, no, 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 they were just playing with us. They're not saying ghosts are real. They're just going, or are they? And it's the, or are they, that's the point, not the ghosts are real, that's the point. So don't, yeah. So then it'll start annoying me, and then I'll get really cross. <laughs> God, I th- God, that escalated. <laughs> and five, the bonus one, uh, Jodie Whittaker's performance as Doctor Who, uh, particularly the scene where she tells her companions that uh, Cybermen are going to take another friend of hers, uh, which is very much a reference to Cybermen killing Bill in Series 10, but you could also see it as Danny Pink uh, and even Adric, uh, if you're looking that far back. Um, And any scene that gives Adric's death even more weight (laughs) is okay in my books. I really appreciated Jodie's performance in this, you know, really sort of rising up from the flat team structure and sort of like chastising her friends for uh you know not being able to make the, the tough decisions I, I thought it was a very bold moment in the relationship of the of that group um they weren't just sort of three kids going along for a ride with with the doctor having fun it, it, it suddenly took a very serious turn um and i think that sort of you know is summed up in the episode itself it's it's a very serious and fun and whimsical but a very dark and important episode too Hmm, interesting. I, I I wouldn't have chosen that bit. If I was to choose a, a moment for the Doctor, I'd have chosen the, I thought, the dilemma at the end. And, and, and I thought that excellent speech about saying, uh, you know, the buck essentially stops with me, which I think is a, is a, is a, is a really fine uh, moment um, and, a, and a really good piece to give to the Doctor. So to sum up, Fletcher, candlelight photography, Ashad the murderer, Graham and the Ghosts, and Jodie Whittaker as Doctor Who. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, Toby. I'm Stephen Chapansky. You can find my podcast at RadioFreeScar.com, LazyDoctorWho.com, and TheMemoryCheats.com. Happy times and places.
Oh, bless you, Stephen. And the memory cheats in the early days of podcasts. Oh, God, I remember the early days of podcasts. We had to make a... I I think you could only get them by sticking a wire in a matchbox and holding it aloft. Um, I... I was going through, I was a bit on my own. I was going through, I was I was sort of homeless and going through a separation uh, and doing a lot of wandering about. I sort of threw myself into work and basically lived out of a bag um, or in a mate's spare room. Uh, and it wasn't a great place to be. And uh, Andrew Smith, who wrote Full Circle, uh, said this great podcast called The Memory Cheats. And it's just... Uh, Stephen and his uh, and his mate, uh, who I also know, who's also lovely, uh, and and a, another great broadcaster about Doctor Who. Um, randomizer, get they've got the randomizer, and it stops at a particular Doctor Who story, and they just have to say what they remember about it, what they and sometimes they get things wrong, uh, and sometimes they're not sure they have anything to say. Uh, but it opens up little, like anything, the minute you start talking about something, it opens up little doors in their brain. And they're both such good aficionados of Doctor Who and such such good company to be with that I basically mainlined that. Because if they're talking about a story you hate, they talk about it in a way that makes you go, oh, maybe I, oh, maybe I don't hate that. And if they're talking about a story like, they, you know, it, 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 it uh, re-enthuses you about it. And, and sometimes you go, are they going to remember this? Are they going to get that right? Because sometimes they go, I think. And then, then halfway through, they realise they've got it wrong. And no, it's this. So it's, it's, it's really good because they're both very natural uh, and they're both great lovers of Doctor Who. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a good guy, Stephen. So I'm very glad... Uh, and he's gone to the effort of making a video, which which will be seen probably when I've retired, uh, because I haven't at the moment got time to be editing videos together and putting them online. But I am I am filming this, so you know my burgundy ensemble. I've got a burgundy hoodie and a burgundy t-shirt with a Quatermass um, Are We Martians newspaper on the front of it, and a a, a kerchief, an ascot. No, it's a, a kerchief, not an ascot. That is keep, keeps becoming undone and has fallen off a couple of times and I've had to readjust so those visual delights oh and Bernard has actually been in the corner for the whole of this he's having a snooze now but Bernard will be in the video for this should ever it come out I mean if you're looking at it that's what this is hello Um, but I suspect I don't look like this now because at the moment I'm concentrating on the audios because I'm also trying to balance this podcasting with you know proper work I've got I've got this is not that this isn't proper and I hope that you like it, but, you know, um, and I put a lot of effort uh, into into putting these together and making them as professional as possible. But I have, uh, you know, other professional obligations that uh, also need my attention because much as I love doing this, you know, Do- Doctor Who fan is not my profession. You know, sometimes looks like that's what I'm aiming for. It really isn't. Uh, uh, this is very much my hobby that I enjoy sharing with people and I hope that that uh, in doing it in this manner, I'm providing you with a bit of entertainment because that's the business I'm in. I hope the entertainment business. Uh, and uh, so anyway, l- l- enough about me. It doesn't matter, does it? Sorry, I've had a bit of a had a bit of a funny week and a, a couple of couple of a couple of moments on social media that have uh, left me slightly sort of wounded, shall we say? So I, I so that's why I sort of decided to go well I'm going to look at this episode that I've I've been putting off because as I say I I I'm I don't feel massively equipped to talk about the the most recent period of who with much authority or or, or insight and and in certain areas much uh, enthusiasm and 
and and yet I remembered that the way to respond to things that are negative is not to respond with negative energy is to try and stick some positive energy out there because people benefit from and I'm not I'm not I'm not a softy and I'm not an optimist but if what you're putting out there is positive that's going to nourish people better or anybody or, you know anybody who chooses to listen to your stuff is is hopefully going to appreciate more um something that is positive and celebratory than 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 because we can feed off negativity in the same way that we can feed off heroin or we can feed off um, a a nice peach flan Uh, (laughs) you know a a nice bowl of fruit Um, they both feed us don't they but the bowl of fruit actually makes us feel better and uh, probably you know puts a spring in our step in the way that the the immediate gratification of mainlining a bit of heroin um that that actually then clouds our minds and our judgments and 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 indeed our whole life uh uh does not so i could have i could have gone in for the the heroine of engaging in negative internet discourse or the peach flan no the bowl of fruit that is looking at something that i was i was you know struggling to think about doing for the reasons that i've outlined and going no it's gonna see and and actually not having to try too hard to find plenty to celebrate and be entertained by because at the end of the day that's what doctor who is it's my hobby and i enjoy it uh and and hobbies and enjoyment should be things that produce positivity for you and hopefully if you are somebody who is in the business of you know communication which is what sort of entertainment is uh if this can be classed as entertainment i hope it's not too lofty to suggest that that's what i'm trying to do here i'm not i'm do you know what i mean i'm obviously i'm putting my th- thoughts and uh phraseology out there because i hope it's something that you know nourishes you or or, or cheers you up or distracts you or whatever uh and and, and hopefully that's what this is that oh anyway I think I should have just quit by going that was that was a really good episode and I enjoyed it but uh, uh, this stuff does not happen in a vacuum uh, and anyway I thought that was uh, really uh, really really good and uh, and there's you know p- plenty to write home about in that very strong episode of Doctor Who oh oh god I might have to now go back and uh, and that's what you do isn't it that's the joy of being a Doctor Who fan is you go back and you revisit bits of it and i've done it with you know stories that i've thought i i didn't enjoy i always liked this one this was always one of my favorites of of that year as i said but you know i have gone back to stories you know 15 years of hating them and and in fact i did one this week uh and and watching and going i really love that to bits and that's why we keep going back to these stories or why i do you know is because you will always see something new and something to enjoy and and you know looking at something you thought you'd You'd, you'd written off and actually discovering that you were wrong to do so and that there's beauty uh, everywhere. So, yeah, you can see beauty or you can, uh, as Mary Shelley did, create a monster. <laughs> uh, well, look, um, Bernard's off. He's had enough of my pretentious waffle and uh, everyone's a critic, Bernard. And I think if uh, if he's taking his leave, I think that means that you guys are perfectly entitled to as well. So until next time, with thanks to Stephen Schapansky, happy times and places. Bye, Bernard. Yeah, jump. 
Well, thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special and welcome guest this time around is Stephen Shapansky, who can be found on Twitter at Legopolis. It's Legopolis, but with Lego. Uh, and also at Radio Free Scaro, at The Memory Cheats, at Lazy Doctor Who. I mean, the man's prolific and also very lovely, so do follow him in his various iterations. I'm grateful to him and to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, Glenn McLeod, Joe McLachlan, Philip Marsh, Daryl McLean, Nate Lynch, Jacob Lumley, Andrew Cruellen, Andrew Lester, Neil Little, Andrew Larson, Pete Lack, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Andy Kitching, Matthew Kilburn, William Keith, Judith Jackson, Andrew Jolly, Robert Jewell, Paul Ingerson, Darren Howard, Matthew Hooliston, Sam Hollingsworth, Simon Hodges, Stephen Hill, Matthew Herbert and Legion Henderson. The music is by Dave Gates, artwork Dylan Patterson. Have you ever noticed how you don't want to buy stuff that's hawked to you on podcasts, especially in a badly acted advert, which makes you lose much respect for your host, who you'd hitherto quite enjoyed listening to the voice of? Then become a patron. <laughs> you know those ones we go, these wallets, uh, I've tried one myself, and I have to say they're the best wallets I've ever had. Have you re- well, you've been given a free one, have you, as part of this? And that's why you've got one yourself. It's not like you bought it and went, I need to ring these people up and say, I need to do a slightly stilted advert <laughs> in order to make my podcast more fiscally fluid than it currently is. Well, do you know what? I don't. I don't advertise anything on these podcasts, apart from the podcasts themselves and the Patreon feed which is what uh, enables me to well no I mean I could do a Patreon feed I know people do do a Patreon and it's not called a feed is it but you know what I mean I could do a Patreon and advertise I but I'm not going to and also even if I had no patrons I would probably be advertising free because I don't like them but I'm making it sound like a point of principle which will make you then go well I think I should fund him go by go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock I'm joking aside, though, uh, that is uh, useful to me and very much appreciated if you could. Uh, And it costs as little as £3 a month. And for that, you get three releases per week, generally. That doesn't include the pictures of my dog. They're a Tuesday bonus. Uh, Three podcasts or maybe an an exclusive interview or some photos of behind the scenes of something that I've done. Um, The idea was also to do some comedy work in progress, but I haven't done that yet. Would you like that? Do you care about... My stand-up, I'm not. I don't know. I I don't know if there's much of a, as I say, a yoke uh, in the Venn diagram of my comedy and my Doctor Who, uh, say careers in uh, inverted commas. But anyway, patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. You can also do ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock if you don't want to commit to the monthly obligation that Patreon is. Although it's a monthly obligation that starts from £3 a month and you get a 10% discount if you sign up for a year. So it's not bad for, you know, bonus releases and early content and, you know, things like AMAs uh, and, and sort of access if uh, you desire such a thing. But what costs you nothing and what's really really appreciated in this day and age because i know that god prices on everything are hiking and uh, everybody needs to save their pennies and as these are free at the point of contact you can avail yourself of them for nothing but what costs you nothing apart from a little bit of your time is to go to um 
iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts from, and to leave these a nice little review and a five-star rating, which just helps to separate us from all the, you know, all the other podcasts that are out there or makes uh, passing punters go, oh, that, that, that looks quite good. I'll have a I'll have a look at that. Or I think it makes the algorithms make us look a bit, uh, bit sexier on the old uh, cyberspace radar. Uh, so, yeah, do all of those things. That would be really helpful if you can. Um, the post-credit sequence is slightly topsy-turvy. I normally do Patreon Kofi, and then a musical sting kicks in. Then I do maybe something about my comedy, because I'm a stand-up comedian at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club every Tuesday, Manchester. Also, twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. And then there would be the second longer musical sting. And then this bit would be some sort of trivial musing that serves as a kind of interesting post-credits thing that some people hang around for because they're gluttons for punishment but um you know are disposable and probably missed by most people who've probably pressed stop during the closing credits which is which is fair enough so so this this post-credits has become sort of mingled with the uh with the plugage which is uh, which is unusual and would be remarkable were it not for the fact that it's not oh that was something i wanted to say in the uh, <laughs> in the commentary and didn't and forgot. I would looked up at Emma Sullivan, the director, um, and I don't think I mentioned Maxine Alderton, the writer, enough. She was a soap writer, did loads of Emmerdale, and I think that goes to show how how actually a grounding in in some of the sort of you know uh, uh, more popular drama is is in no way a barrier to be writing Good Doctor Who. And you know uh, sometimes people can be quite sniffy about those, but learning the nuts and bolts of writing on shows like that and the pressures that those writers are under and the invention that they have to show because of the way that things are scheduled and resources are divvied out, I think is a is a great training ground for Doctor Who. And I think I think more people uh, who've write, written for soaps being able to then unleash their imaginations on sci-fi would be would be an interesting um, possibility. So I didn't mention that in the but I looked up um, Emma Sullivan and, and it said on her Wikipedia, she's done this, she's done that. Uh, and she also directed, you know, this episode of Doctor Who Flux. Uh, which is one of which is the only episode of Doctor Who to have its closing titles uh, broken up with a bit of action or whatever it is, you know that that bit with Vinda that 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 sort of came came during the closing credits. That's you know it's a that's a, and that's a lovely notable piece of trivia about Doctor Who that you go oh that episode has that unusual thing and that's nice to think about that episode in some way and if it, if you're a Doctor Who fan and you go oh well that's yeah that's a that's a nice little piece of trivia about that episode. But does it really then need to be ported over to the Wikipedia entry of the person who directed it? I like to think if, I, if, if I'd if i warranted a Wikipedia entry that mentioned a few things that I'd done, a, a, a slightly sort of trivial thing about a production I'd been involved with, even in a key area, that actually had nothing to do with me at all. Uh, was it, Or was it, was it Emma Sullivan or was it... It might even have been Maxine Alderton, actually. I think it was because you could say, well, it's a directorial decision. But was it a writer's decision? Anyway, whatever. W whether it was absolutely their idea or just something that happened when it was put together, it 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 it, 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 it is a sign of the way that sort of information is put out there that if somebody's got a particular thing that's their thing and there's obviously somebody out there who goes that's the only doctor who episode where the titles get broken up by a piece of the action so i will mention that in whichever tangential area i possibly can but i have to say yeah it's it's a bit like if 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 you know uh i don't know if 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 
you, you know, I had a, an entry in somewhere, you know, some sort of television companion or whatever. And they said, Toby Haydock is an actor who's done this and a comedian who's done this. And he was also in the only episode of Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights to have more than three yellow shirts in one scene or something. Do you know what I mean? Or he was in the only episode of Coronation Street to have had a fruit pastels advert and a Typhoo tea advert in the first commercial break. You know, that's got nothing to do with me. Why, why have you... Come on, I've done the. I've lived a life, and now, now I've had some sort of uh, 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 random factoid um, crowbarred into my life history in, in order to make me seem interesting in a way that I'm I'm not at the expense of interesting things that I I might actually be. Um, but uh, it's yes, it struck me at the time, but now I can't remember whether it was Maxine Alderton's or. Emma Sullivan, so I suppose there's no real harm done. But I did think, I th- I thought if I was either one of them, I could be fairly rueful. But also, the, uh, having said that, that's a Doctor episode written by a woman and directed by a woman. And uh, uh, I, I mentioned such things because I that is, I think, very interesting and, and, and high time. And I think something worth celebrating. Not because I'm woke or politically correct, but because it's not something that's happened very often. Uh, and a variety of voices and experiences coming together to make our programme make it more interesting. It's a programme about the vast potentialities of time and space. So, um, uh, you know, uh, in- in- increasing the, uh, the, 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 the experience uh, of, of, of the pool of talent that it draws from can, can only, I think, be to, uh, to, to its credit and to its... Um, to its benefit and i think that episode shows that so i would very much like to see maxine alderton and emma sullivan uh, come back and uh, yeah i'm very happy about that whole situation but uh, now i shall go and put something that's got nothing to do with either of them on their <laughs> wikipedia page no i won't um but anyway there we go uh that's the that's the end of that <laughs>